0: Our love is what we make of it Our love is what we make of it Our love is what we make of it Sex for, for smart, smart People that, that means, means you. you Oh hi Hello and welcome to Sex for Smart People I'm Stephanie I use pronouns they them theirs or she her hers
1: I'm Dave and I use he and him
2: And I'm Dylan Marin and I use he and him Beautiful
1: Dylan Marin <laughs>
2: <laughs> Dylan That's the chant that I ask follows me wherever I go, so thank oh, you. Oh, good. You, you can, read my rider. <laughs> you
0: can bring Dave with you on Skype uh-huh, yeah, me, exactly. wherever you go. Dylan, I'm so fucking honored to have you with us oh, today. Thank you thank you, you for so having much. me. Dylan Maron is a writer and performer. Uh, you may know him from uh, Welcome to Night Vale, from the Neo Futurist, Too Much Light Makes the Baby Go Blind, from Every Single Word, uh, that uh, YouTube channel where he, put, he yeah. cuts together... Every single word that a person of color says in certain movies, it's genius and super important. Um, so Most of them are so about much. six seconds long. Six <laughs> seconds.
2: Uh, <laughs> if we get to the epic ones, we're talking about a minute or north of a minute. Um, the longest one yet is Gone with the Wind, which is north of 14 minutes. Okay. All has to be... Uh, Deeply analyzed, though, for exactly yeah. the types of people of color that are being shown. Yeah, I just
0: watched the one, um, I think it was either What Women Want or Something's Gotta Give, that it was two minutes, yeah. two full minutes, but it was all yeah. people of color working in the service and industry. And it's divided
2: by, like, ten characters, and mo- I mean, most of these characters... I, I did that whole post on Nancy Meyers' movies recently, which really crawled under my skin um, because... You know, I love those movies. There's such a, the story, I'm I'm into the fantasy of it, right? Like I'm into yeah. the like heavily filtered light. I'm into the like, oh, these lives are perfect. And yet people of color are just routinely just like service people mm-hmm. or people who come in with one line and so few people have um, more than one scene, so yeah I, I had been waiting for that Nancy Myers post for a while
0: yeah thank you for for doing that and I want to talk more about that later but shall we jump to Dave will you ask the question
2: oh
1: yeah this is coming this is this is coming way late in the interview
2: <laughs> what is your relationship to relationships oh my goodness um, that's a wonderful question what is my relationship to relationships um I uh I feel that I am well not I feel I know that I am fueled by them. Um I'm fueled by very intimate relationships, uh like the ones like the one I have with my husband and uh the one I have the ones I have with my closest friends. I'm also really fueled by relationships that I have with um people who I don't really know that well um people who are coworkers people who i admire people who i professionally respect um people who you know and and yeah i my relationship to relationships is i guess i really l- love and sometimes uh, to a (laughs) fault-examining relationships. Uh, And I do that more on my own and in my own head, but I obsess over my relationships (laughs) with people. Um, And, uh, yeah. What do you obsess about? uh, What do I obsess about? I obsess about making sure that... uh, I'm present in the relationships and, and so we're talking all relationships, yep. right? Not just, uh, necessarily the so-called big ones. Um, I, uh, I think sometimes like crippling self doubt can come in and it's oh, like, sure. yeah. And it's like, yeah. Oh, do you really like me? Or is there another reason that you're pretending to like me? Mm. You know, like, is this a conspiracy theory? Uh, that everyone, you know, is, is this the Truman show, uh, that everyone is like, has signed a contract to be your friend? Um, yes, but most of them still mean it anyway, just to get it out. (laughs) Right, right, right. Thank you for, for acknowledging that. Right. Yeah. Um, I knew, I knew, and I knew I was coming here to get the right answer. Um, but Yeah, I, um, so I, I don't know. Obsess has a bit of a negative connotation. I think I'm very aware of the relationships I'm in. Um, and, uh, I am, I'm very conscious of the relationships I'm in. I'll say that.
1: So, uh, what lit the fire under your ass to do the sort of work that you're doing, both in your performance and writing and in this uh, YouTube channel that sort of, uh, caught fire?
2: Yeah, what what lit the fire? Um another great question. I think I um I've always really seen the power of entertaining people and I think throughout all of my life even before I could say that my work became professional work, I was very curious to find out how i could um make change in my work without speaking the change i've been quoting this quote a lot um or or speak uh without a. let me rephrase that and i'll use this quote uh there's an emily dickinson quote uh tell the truth but tell it slant And I love that so much. And I think that's what entertainment is all about. Mm. You know, it's like you have to find a way to express your truth in something, but it doesn't always work when you directly tell your truth. Like, uh, if we just take the example of fiction, you know, you, you wrap your truth up in a story about someone else. Um, that's a lot, that's a much more accessible way to have people come into your story. um, or to, to experience your truth. And I've been particularly interested in how to do that with comedy. And now comedy is something I think I've had a pretty, I've always had a, I've always wrestled with the idea of comedy and I'm so hesitant to ever call myself a comedian because I always feel like it's up to other people if they think that I'm funny or not. And also (laughs) I, you know, I think some of the greatest artistic experiences i've had some of them have been in a comedy space where what i've been doing is labeled comedy and uh sometimes it has fully not been it it and i think both rely on each other sometimes i do super serious work and sometimes um You know, like, uh, one of the things that I created, I created with a friend of mine, uh, which is fully through and through a sketch comedy show. And it's called Ridgefield Middle School Talent Night. It's a 17-character middle school talent show. And we play all the parts. And it's an hour-long, you know, middle school talent show of this (laughs) fictional middle school. And that is, like, squarely in the comedy category, you know? And then you take something like the play I did, The Human Symphony, which takes collected stories of people finding love online, and uh, I had, and also my parents' love story, and, and, and then divorce, which is also part of a love story. Um, and then I had randomly selected audience members perform those stories via MP3 instructional tracks. And I would put that you know, squarely not in the comedy category. But both of those works from my end were coming from the same place, were coming from the same seed, right? So I don't know that I can commit to a genre in my work. Uh, What lit a fire under me was that I knew that I had something to say, as we all do, this is not to claim like I had something to say and other people didn't. I wanted to express the way I saw the world, which is essentially what art is. You're saying, this is how I see the world. And specifically, I always try and wrestle with how can this be accessible to as many people as possible? Mm -hmm. How can you um, disarm people? So for example, with my Every Single Word series, I really want to find a way to talk about race in the media to people who are not aware of race in the media. It's one Mm -hmm. thing to talk among allies, and it's another thing to be able to present facts to people who would never call themselves an ally, but to begin that conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, So to find a shorter answer to your question, (sighs) I wanted to entertain people while also saying something and i think that's like the journey i'm still on as an artist.
0: Yeah yeah yeah. And what it, in every single word has anything surprised you on that journey or what have you learned as you um, have been doing it?
2: I've learned that cuz i would say that every single word is one of the biggest uh like activist art pieces that i've done. Mm-hmm. Um and what I've learned is that it is exhausting work to be an ally. Uh, to Sorry. It is exhausting work to be an activist. Mm. And I have such respect for people who are activists. But I also have learned, too, that you there is no such thing as a full-time activist and there can only be a full-time activist. Do you feel Ah, the same way? I
0: talk about this all the time that I feel like I would like to see activist as a word that either no one uses or everyone can, because I feel like we have this sense of activists are these people over here in the corner that like, you know, and, and that, that, that I can't be a part of it unless I like drop everything. Right. Um, and I think, yeah, a- activist with a little A, artist with mm-hmm. a little A, even chaplain with a little A are all titles that I would like to see oh, yeah. everyone be able well, to I'm, claim. I'm, I'm... You're
1: going to make the A smaller than the rest of the letters in chaplain?
0: <laughs> sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's Big a edge, tiny A. Tiny mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. A. Well, and I
2: think, but I think too, it's like any job, you can be an activist in any job, you know, like, Mm. um, I, and I've been saying this in talks recently, whenever I talk about race on film where it's like, no, no, you cannot claim activist as like your paid job. I don't know anyone who can claim activist as their paid job. There's something that the activism goes into. Mm -hmm. Um, but you can be an activist as an eye banker, you know, like if if you go into a world and you choose to change part of that world for what you see as good, you are an activist, you Mm. know? And, um, so yeah. So I think what has surprised me with every single word is how much energy it takes even to keep convincing yourself that this matters. Mm. Um, because, because I know it does and that's the only reason I'm doing it. but, and I'm not even talking about, like, listening to the haters. You know, I'm just saying, like, sometimes you're just, like, you always question, like, is this worth it? Am I making any difference at all? Yeah. Um, I'm just, like, a speck of dust in the universe that is... As
0: as we all are. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah and, yeah, so, so it's, like, battling the whole speck of dust thing and... Um, And then I think when I'm feeling best about it, I don't question it. Hmm. And I just, I think that I heard Dan Savage say once about the It Gets Better project um, was that, you know, he said, if if I save one person's life, it is the biggest success, Hmm. right? And I don't know that I'm saving lives (laughs) with the Every Single Word series. I am trying to point something out in a way that disarms people. Because I find that in race talk too, if you point your finger and call someone racist, that's it. The conversation is done. You can't really have productive, meaningful uh, conversations because of course, if you're accused of something that is bad, you're going to be on the defensive.
0: One of the many, many things that I love about the Every Single Word project and that points to what you're saying of how, how do we invite people into actual reckoning right. with this actual right, right, right. frame shift. Um, you list um, the POC characters with one name, with no name, POC characters who work in the service industry, POC characters who speak in more than one scene, POC characters who deliver news that affects the storyline, and then it goes on and on to POC characters who have a love interest and a love interest that's reciprocated. Yeah. And so bridging that project to what we do and what we think about you know, in terms of what stories are we hearing in the mainstream about who is lovable? Yeah.
2: Um, yeah, that's I think about that all the time. Who
0: who gets attention as a as a lovable mm-hmm. or and or sexy person? Right. And, um, what
2: relationships
1: are good and healthy, and what are bad? as yeah. yeah.
0: And so it's just I mean it's so bleak as you read down this yeah. blog of how you know POC totally. characters that have love interests requited, but to shine a light on that I just think is is so powerful and and profound. And um, something else I think about it a lot is like who's what I like too, that this goes beyond like saying we need diversity. Like Mm -hmm. we like just, it's not just like we need a POC person Mm -hmm. there. It's saying how, whose lens is the story from Mm. what is the function of this character? What levers of power is this story and Mm -hmm. the, the the function of this character playing into. And um, yeah. Yeah. And I think also what, one of my big
2: points is on through every single word is that we not only need diversity of color, but we need diversity within color, mm-hmm. right? There can't not, there needs to not be this monolithic idea of what a Latino man is, uh, of what a black woman is. And, and it go, you know, Chimamanda Adichie's whole ted talk about the single story always plays into this which is yeah it's it's amazing i don't know about this well she she um she gave a ted talk uh on what she called the danger of the single story and the the kind of crux of it is when she says uh the problem so the single story creates stereotype right if Mm -hmm. if you've only heard of uh one indian man and uh, you know his story, that's the single story you have of what it means to be an Indian man, and if that's the only Indian person you know, it's the only Indian, you know, this is what it means to be Indian. And the problem, she says, with the with the single story is that it creates stereotype. And there's nothing untrue about stereotypes, she says, which I agree with, but it's that it's incomplete. You know, so stereotypes, sure, some people are like a stereotype, but it doesn't give you any nuance, and that's what is missing in these characters is mm. um, nuance you know mm. um it, there's same
0: thing the one Indian person story or the one trans person story mm-hmm. to oh, all, yeah intersectional totally. on us
2: and um yeah, I mean, we have to be intersectional, and I think that's why I believe that that is why um there's a very interesting hashtag that's, that's trending today and yesterday, which is like gay media is so white, um, which is something I've always been very aware of as a queer person of color, um, that queerness seems to be such a white thing, very Mm -hmm. similar to, you know, what happened in second wave feminism, how second wave feminism was so white, right. And, and not only white, but, but kind of, um, dismissive of other women joining Uh in and I, I think we're seeing, so, so I, I see that hashtag trending and, and, um, it it just means like we need to complicate what it means. We cannot just have this one type of person anymore. We have to show all different types. And that's the privilege of whiteness on screen is that the privilege of whiteness is nuance. There are just mm. so many different different images of what white men can look like. Is it complete? By no means. But there are so many more about what a leading man can be uh-huh. than what, what a leading man or woman or... Um, any gender identity person uh, can be of any other
1: color.
0: I love the way you phrase that, Dylan. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Um, Did
1: you say we need to confuse what it means? Complicate. We need to complicate, we need to what, complicate what it means. What it means. Yes. I want to steal that as the tagline of this show. <laughs> <laughs> we need to complicate what it means through everything. Through through. Stop. Uh, I don't know. It's the, it's the same thing with, you should talk to each other about things. It's like, don't assume, mm-hmm. uh, don't assume that you and other people agree on what the definitions of words means that you,
0: what you haven't talked about. Love like means of commitment yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. of gender, of pussy. Oh, of, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Anything else that's burning in you, Dylan, to express before we move on to listener questions.
2: Uh, no, I'm ready to move on to listener questions. Let's do
0: it. Unless y'all. you have any burning questions. Oh, I have so many. Okay.
2: <laughs> in due time. I'm, okay. Then we'll explore them as they come. Great. Indeed. Okay.
0: But wait, a quick detour before we move on to listener questions. As many of you know, in 2013, Jillian Buckley and I drove across the country talking and singing with people in their homes about love and sex and family as we built our album, Love Songs for the Rest of Us. And as excited as we were to share the songs that we were making, we were equally passionate about learning from and hearing from the wide variety of backgrounds and perspectives of the beautiful, generous people that we encountered. And so as a part of each house concert slash conversation, we asked the question, are you married? If so, why? Uh, If not, would you like to be? And we got so many wonderful responses, and we compiled some of them as a part of a montage, which is on our album, and that's what I'd like to share with you now. And if you like what you hear and you'd like to hear more, you can check it out at lovesongsfortherestofus.com.
3: When I get older, I would love to be married.
1: I'm gay, so until recently, marriage hasn't even been an option for me. They couldn't
0: wait to get married so they could leave their job. Now we can use it to protect our family too. So in the two years since my divorce,
2: I have allowed myself to flourish. Because I'm not sure what marriage means to me. Neither yet. of us really has the wedding gene not in us and lightly. having a marriage certificate.
1: On paper dictate 50 years what is, is now a very
0: long time. True or time? not true. Underground for
2: 12 years, so why do we
1: still kind of choose body
3: body body to be body body married? Body. married? Cause. Not
1: around, kind of we end still end. have a loving relationship. You know, I got arrested with the man, who was the father. Of we still the son. want to be together, and it works. So we got married in the jail.
2: Most of the time. time. Before he was sentenced to 75 to life. For and me, sometimes the getting married thing felt like so much more than just a
1: conscious
0: you got choice. With all of your family and friends and made a promise. I don't see marriage as the only alternative to single. I mean, marriage started. As a, a transfer of as choice. property from man kind of an to epiphany man, type I like the
2: idea of the support Only that we each other we And I happen to get a great, great at
0: husband, so
2: this is my second so marriage. Why are we well, always
0: don't talking about I marriage? want to give when up that With all this focus on gay marriage, <laughs> we so often ignore things like basically, queer basically teen homelessness, HIV, antiviral like work, over incarceration. What I do believe
1: in is kind of choosing a partner to start a family with. I because
0: I was pregnant. And I Long-term term intentions and, and commitment and, and love. i to be illegitimate. I, I think I actually I sort of bought into, into that. I'm totally into the idea of marriage. The hard times. To create our own vocabulary. You know, celebrate the good times. Part of it felt like a tremendous leap of faith. You and also reciprocate that. We could
1: make that into something amazing.
0: What you decide in your heart is what makes it real.
1: Question one. Thank you. Hey, I'm gay and older than I would like to admit. I think my boyfriend and I are having total communication breakdown. We're in therapy and everything, but hey, all perspectives are potentially helpful. When we have sex, it is fiery and awesome, but that is harder to come by these days. Our schedules are opposite, and we are both tired and cranky all the time. When we do get a moment with each other, it feels like we can't avoid using that time for some petty squabble, something stupid like who was supposed to take out the trash, or how he wasn't very kind to my family at a recent barbecue. Then that arguing either crowds out time for sex, or we try to just not argue and have sex anyway, but then the sex sucks because we are not being real with each other. I know there is a lot here. I don't expect comprehensive solutions, but I am at my wit's end. I know you should talk to each other about things, but maybe the things we are talking to each other about are not the things that actually help us be connected. And often it feels like talking to each other about things gets in the way of having sex with each other. We love each other a lot. I would like to think this is a phase, but this cycle has dragged on for two years now and I am freaking out. Please help.
0: Hmm. Love. Love, just breathing into the the layers (laughs) and the the hurt that is there. (sighs) Dylan, do you feel like diving in?
2: Yeah, I mean I think when when I hear this question, I think um you know, I I was I was thinking about this last week, but I really think to me sex is uh like a conversation, mm-hmm. right? And I think that sometimes uh sex is uh, as with conversations and i like talking about it in terms of conversations because it kind of takes the importance the uh the loftiness away from it you know we put so mm. much on sex um but but i think conversations is is something that is also incredibly important so if we talk about it in terms of conversation uh i think that sometimes uh with like my husband we have these incredible conversations. We'll go to dinner, and we can't stop talking about these ideas that we're tackling together, and we're listening to each other and building on each other's ideas and agreeing and disagreeing. And then sometimes, uh, depending on the days we've had, uh, the conversation is just okay, you know? And it's uh, we kind of go through what we've been through, but also really respect it if we just want to, Know that we want to be near each other, but want to shut our minds off um, and so to me for 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 the person asking this question, I feel um, like you know sex like conversation just has like evolves, and um, this was once explained to me in in terms of a stock market graph. But everyone really gets terrified when there's a little dip in the day. Hmm. And so everyone sells their stocks. But if you actually zoom out to look at years... You just see the stocks going up and up. Hmm. Um, I'm sorry to bring a corporate <laughs> analogy into this very really loving space. Me. I really did. Here Occupy Dylan. Occupy Dylan, yeah. There <laughs> should be a, a big revolt against me now as a guest here. Um, no, but I, I think that's such a great way to look at it, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, it, now, it does seem that uh, with with this person asking this question, that there seems to be a trend, a downward trend, um, if you want to ascribe value to it. So I, um, I would recommend not approaching sex in such a high stakes way, you know, like, uh, and also a lot of times, uh, sex is indicative about, you know, kind of other things in the relationship that are not specifically tied to sex. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so there's a lot to explore there, but also nothing to truly freak out about. Um, is what I is what I say.
0: I love what you're pointing to is the integ- talking about sex as a conversation sex as sex is like just integrated into everything and and as right. just w- one of the vital parts of who we are together and I like too that you pointed to to sort of zooming out, because I really feel for this person as I read this. It just seems like he feels like so much is like out of control and not the way that he would want it. And so then I'm thinking of the times in my life when I feel like just everything is going by and I'm not, I'm not, uh, like, like there it is and I know it could have meaning, but it's not and it's racing by and there I wasn't the person, I wasn't who and how I wanted to be, I wasn't who and how, and, and that's really, really hard. And um, I guess just something that, has, when I do it, has really been helpful for me and for others is, um, I think that this is something that can sound really cheesy, but in practice, like, is, like, actually not that radical and cheesy. It's just, like, the simple idea of setting intentions, like, that can be as simple as, like, at the end of a day, reflecting on the day, like, not to beat yourself up, but to say, like, hey, what went the way I wanted it to or I intended to what went the way that was in line with my values and what didn't in my interactions with my partner and sex with my partner and who I was being and then what might I change Tomorrow, what are what is a baby step I might change tomorrow to be more in line with my values? It sounds like, you know, you're despairing from like, we can't, when we do get a moment with each other, it feels like we can't avoid using it for this. And then sex is crowded out. So if you value having a spacious moment with each other, if you value prioritizing the conversation of sex with each other, um, are there things that you might be able to shift? Maybe not. Sometimes there are just moments in life that are hard and that will pass, but, um, I think that intention setting can be powerful on a day-to-day basis, but even also, um, and something I talk about a lot with my coaching clients, is when you have time together, especially if it feels scarce, um, a- another way of checking in with yourself and with your partner can be um, just notice like how, how are you right now in your body, heart, and soul, and how would you like to feel in your body, heart, and soul when this encounter is done, whether that's this meal we're sharing, this whole day we're riding together, this five minutes that we have for a quickie, um, that, that just taking a second to breathe in and notice, um, okay, wow, I feel really stressed and not present with you right now. How would I like to feel in an hour after we have a meal and maybe a quickie if we're lucky? Like, How would I like to feel is just at least slightly more connected to you? Um, that is doable, and I, I just am. It's not that if we put an intention out in the universe that we're guaranteed to have that thing. I don't believe in that kind of magical thinking, but I do believe that where our focus goes, our energy goes. And by being clear with ourselves and our our desires and needs in any given moment, we have at least a stronger chance of of um, manifesting those things. And so, I guess. I, only, I don't offer that as like a magic wand solution. It sounds like there's a big tangle and that, that there are so many different factors involved, but just like as something to grasp onto and it's, it's trusting the, the baby steps and like it sounds like you who wrote in, you do really know what you value and are there small ways that you can just like shift the frame a little bit, reorient to to be more in line and I wonder if that might move things in a... In a um, in a direction that feels more, more whole and more in line with your values. Although I recognize how easy it is to dish out suggestions and, and he's saying this has gone on for years. So again, I don't pretend that's magic.
1: There's something that I'm fond of to sort of piggyback on some of the suggestions or ideas you had there, which I think that the idea of a daily check in with yourself about what in my day went well actually sounds kind of radical to me. It's not something that I would thought of or think that I'd be good at, but something that I think I'd like to do, but um, voiced revelation has really helped me through some really tough times especially like for instance it has super helped me when i realize i'm having a panic attack to say aloud i am having a panic attack <sighs> it makes it real and dealable for me a mm. situation and this has actually happened in conversations too where i'm say where i can actually find a way to say like hey i don't like how i'm talking right now give me one second let me try the, let me take a minute to sort of Something went wrong in in my wiring. Let me take a second to try to get everything back in place, and then we'll try this again. Mm-hmm. Of If, if you are having these uh, revelations much after these daily arguments, that's this won't be useful. But if you know in the moment that it's happening, if you have this inkling like, oh, I'm acting in a way I don't want to, just, I think that it's okay to actually ask for a quick timeout. And try to reset where you are Mm. and try to reset your reaction. Um, An apology can be part of that if you feel like you've been doing something you don't want to do. But I feel like um, more often than not in our conversations, we have a little bit more control then I think we give ourselves credit for mm. and taking a moment to say aloud that something is going the way you don't want it to. And that you want to try again can often be super helpful. Yeah.
0: I and, and I just want to return to, he says, I know you should talk to each other about things, but maybe the things we are talking to each other about are not the things that actually help us be connected. And often it feels like talking to each other about things gets in the way of having sex with each other. Um, maybe that points to, there are a lot of things you need to Create space to to talk about to to hold space. Um, yeah, and goodness gracious, this is not easy.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I agree with everything you're saying about naming it. You know, I think it really like your like you name panic attacks, and it helps that uh, naming something with a partner is also really important too. Just as it's also really helpful. Again, l- like the way I approach it is like. Uh, sex, as you both know, probably better than I do, um, sex has, uh, a stigma, even when we talk about it among ourselves, Mm -hmm. um, to talk about it in other terms helps me a lot. So, um, it's, I think about it like anger, you know, I, it really helps me to name anger just like it helps you to name panic attacks. And when I say, actually, I'm feeling really angry right now and I'm in a super bad mood and I'm about to take it out on you, so I just want you to know that, so maybe I'll be alone, that, like, in doing that, I am not going to take it out on anyone near me because I'm just saying, like, just really want to warn you. And, like, saying that, uh, it's not just that it prepares them, it's that it actually helps me not take out something that happened in my day on mm. someone who had nothing to do with that. Mm. Um, yeah. So again, anger and uh, sex are different things, but it is about naming, uh, naming what is going on.
0: And naming who and how you would like to be together.
2: Right.
1: Yeah. Also, this quotidian—the thing that seems quotidian about this of having opposite schedules—that just totally sucks. Totally and I've sucks. been there, and it sucks. And I'm sorry. I am sending out waves of support yeah, about that. Yeah.
2: Totally. Oh.
0: Yep. Oh.
1: <sighs> Why don't we start doing questions with like super easy answers? <laughs>
0: Are there any Dave what's a question yeah. with a super easy answer like are is your kitten good She is good Okay great What great what no. is
1: this what is the
2: square root of 4 Like, let's just pick up a math podcast. Okay. (laughs) Very simple
0: math. Very simple math. Yeah. But very soon, then, yeah.
2: Wow. You're onto something. Math (laughs) podcast started. (laughs) Yeah. Math for dumb people. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Or math for stupid
1: people. Pardon me. All right. That means you. (laughs) um, (laughs) I have a
0: question that, um, well, that is being asked as if it has a simple answer, but I think it does not. Um, Okay. Question number two. No lasers? <laughs> <laughs> Number two.
1: do you think just testing you. quote
0: unquote bros before hose is a myth that ultimately people choose their partner over their friend is this good or bad my simple answer is no <laughs> Yeah, maybe that maybe was, this
2: is that easy question we're looking for. <laughs> and I don't want to uh, make the person who asked this question feel bad. This is yeah. a great question. Yes. I do think uh, there is, well, lots, uh, lots to explore. I think for me, um, the simple answer is um, it's really all based on you and whoever is feeding you and whatever relationships are feeding you the most. Um, I, speaking for me, I think that it is personal friendships you have outside of your relationship, your romantic relationship, feed your romantic relationship, your romantic relationship feeds your friendships. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think they are mutually exclusive and I don't think they actually have to be ranked because Uh I, I couldn't imagine doing that. Um, Yay! Yeah, so I co-signed. I co-signed. Okay, great.
0: <laughs> That's what I say. I have so many thoughts and feelings on this. Oh my goodness! What's the first one? Oh, th- th- all of them. Um, um, What's so the loudest th- one? <laughs> I think that that. Do you think it's a myth that people ultimately choose their partner over their friend? I don't think it's a myth. I think that it's a default script of choosing your partner sure. over your friend. I think maybe especially as I've heard for for like cisgendered straight males. Um, I think that there is a tendency to, to, you know, find somebody that you're starting your own nuclear family with and then kind of like privatize your compassion like, and, and, and cloister over there and, and be less connected to friends and be less connected to community. And I'm so excited by ideas and things that, that invite us to transcend that default script Obviously it's not everybody, but that is a that is a, a, a trend and a tendency and so the ideas like treat your friends as lovers and your lovers as friends that doesn't mean that you should have sex with all your friends, but that means like how you know um, can do you write your friend a love letter sometime do you go out of your way to like throw a friend a birthday party and treating your lovers like friends I think sometimes people when when people are dating people don't Uh, treat those people that they're dating with the same kind of communication respect that they do long-term friendships and so I like that as a frame I like that this uh, this question this whether partners or friends or who's more important and why I said no so emphatically it's just like like neither are more important as Dylan is saying and I think something else that I think about a lot is how might we widen our collective circles of care um, how might we go beyond partnership, friends to community world? Like, where, where, how can we channel our energy in? And, and I get hung up on and challenged by that there is a, uh, I don't necessarily believe in scarcity, but there, there is not limitless, like, I can't love everyone in the world like I love my closest friends. Mm-hmm. In terms of like the actions I'm putting behind that love. And so some things like friends or partners, it's like, well, when you have one partner that you're nesting with, it makes it a bit of an easier equation. Like if this person is in the hospital, yes, I will drop everything and go. How many friends do I have that I would drop everything and go to the hospital and be at their side? Would I drop everything and be at the side of a person in the hospital who I only sort of knew, but who needed support? I hope so. But where do we draw those lines is a really juicy question for me. And I'm interested in finding ways of like, what actions can I take? What ways can I build my life that kind of, that like widen the aperture of like the lens of my love? Did I follow through on that? Yes, <laughs> metaphor? for sure. Well done. Yeah. I liked it. Those, those are some <laughs> of my thoughts on this. Anyone else? Can we
1: rephrase <laughs> this to be lovers and friends, also the whole world, Everything is complicated. Parenthetically, don't call people hoes unless they ask you to.
0: Oh God, I like it. Episode title. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Other thoughts. So I have a question.
1: Thought? So yeah, I have a, I have a I have a sort of uh, uh, I don't know, dangling question off of this, Dangled. which is, do um,
0: you,
1: you know about these situations in which people uh, have a significant other and then friends, mm-hmm. and the friends don't like the significant other? And the significant other isn't that close with the friends? Uh-huh. What, what, what's... Hey, what's that about? Hey, you ever notice... <laughs> Sorry, I just made I, I take it this up. has happened hey, to you? Uh, this is, I'm not, uh, I have never been in the position of having my friends not be into my significant other or vice versa, but I have seen it happen to friends of mine who are dating people that their friends aren't down with. Hmm. What's the deal with
0: that? Who's right? <laughs> what do you think the deal is with that, Dave?
1: Uh, it, well, 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 it, uh, in my subjective experience, every situation I've seen that happen with the friends, the friends were right, <laughs> but I don't know if that's just eternally See, true. I don't know. Do you crowdsource the, the, that, the,
0: well, if there's corroboration on the, if many people I'm close to corroborate on having a certain feeling about a thing, I yeah. think it's probably a good idea to listen. But, but
2: it, it's also about where you're evolving, you know, where you yeah, are in yeah, your life yeah, and that's a good point. are you going in a direction where actually your friends don't really represent you anymore mm. right? and your significant other does. That It's really just a case-by-case case basis and mm. um, but, you know, I know some people who kind of compartmentalize their lives. There are some people who have their significant other and then they have their friends and I say, if that works for you, That's awesome, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, and but I do think ultimately we are like ever changing beings, so uh, we yeah, who we choose as a partner is going to reflect the direction we're moving in at least that day. So if that is still a direction you continue to be moving in, and your friends, your uh, non romantic. Partners, friends, world doesn't reflect that. Then you are going to evolve past that. Hmm. Yeah. So.
0: Well said. Indeed. Oh man, I'm also just thinking. I'm. Thank you for bearing with me. I have so much to say. Um, just, I'm also thinking about you. know, Just shout out to those who having a romantic partner that you nest with is is not. The the right path or not an available path, and to the power of chosen family in all of its forms, and the idea that we get to create our own vocabulary in every connection that we are in. Sure. And that feels important to me to say.
1: <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, I think it is important to be said.
3: Uh-huh. Oh, hi. I would like to give a shout-out for Stephanie's Sex and Relationship Coaching. I started coaching with Stephanie and it has completely changed my life and really got in touch with myself and also it was a much more personal and spiritual journey than I ever could have imagined and um, I was able to work through a lot of and still am and will continue to work through a lot of the shame that I was taught about sex and the rules that were taught to me that weren't necessarily decided on by me and and she's really helped me to get in touch with my, my needs and my wants and my desires and, and helped me to be brave to communicate those to my partner. And it's, it's totally opened up a whole new world with us. And I'm, I'm so, so, so grateful to Stephanie. And, and I'm getting emotional. <laughs> and so I would love to give a huge shout out to Stephanie as, as a human being and her work. And I respect everything she's doing and... If you would like to read some more details and testimonials, you can check it out on the Sex for Smart People website at sexforsmartpeople.com.
2: Question three. Pew
3: pew 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 pew, pew,
2: pew, pew. Yay! Dylan did lasers. I really wanted to join the lasers. Wait, let's you. I do it again and that. do them real big. Okay. Alright.
1: Question three.
2: Pew pew, 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 pew. pew, pew.
1: Ow, I have been struck by a laser. <laughs> I have two amazing gay friends who I've always thought would hit it off. I finally got up the courage to introduce them through Facebook, but now I am feeling paranoid and sad because I just remembered that one of them told me he is HIV-positive. I feel like a thoughtless fool, and I'm wondering what, if any, best way there might be to manage this. The thoughts rolling through my mind are many. Should I never have intro'd them? Did I owe it to them to disclose? Could I have been more considerate about this whole thing from the beginning by asking my HIV-positive friend how he manages this? I wish I'd remembered friend one was HIV-positive from the get-go. Sigh. Is there a simple solution or existing language enacted by others that I'm simply not aware of that could be helpful? I care so much about both of them. They're such kind, fun people, hence my impulse to make the connection. I so rarely play matchmaker that i never processed this thought before.
0: 42.
2: I I think, yeah. I, I think that um, what this seems to me is that I... Recommend that uh, this question is there a, a better way to say questioner this uh this person
0: this person who wrote in
2: this person this person who wrote in I think that I encourage uh, you person who wrote in to have um, a lot of trust in both of your friends. Holler. One, one to uh, disclose information as they're comfortable with. I'm sure that this is absolutely not the first time that they've encountered this and they know what they're comfortable doing. And it is up to your other friend to process that information on their own. Uh, I think playing matchmaker, especially between two people you care about so much as, as, as you kind of so beautifully seem to really, really like these people. That's an awesome thing. And, um, here, here. And what, whatever their, uh, medical health statuses, uh, is not, you know, it, it is your concern in the fact that you are their friend, but I don't think it's necessarily your concern in, uh, you don't have to present a packet when you match make people, you know? Yeah. Um, I 100% agree. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I think, uh, you did everything right by setting up people you, uh, like together. That's a beautiful thing. That's actually how my husband and I met. We were set up by a friend who Yay. thought we'd get along. And, you know, it's so funny. It, we we refer um, to any um, piece of health news as like, a defining characteristic when there is so much Mm. baggage beyond these medical terms that we know Uh that, that you also bring into a relationship. HIV
0: positive has a especially big stigma. Totally.
2: It's, it's, it's all stigma. And I think that, what is, you know, you also bring emotional baggage into a relationship. You are like, oh, I'm super sensitive about this one issue and this person is going to find this out four months in. What kind of warning labels should come with anybody? Yeah, so it's like either you present like a, you know... 2000 page dossier (laughs) on what this person is going to bring with them. Or you just trust that it's there. They are, if you like them and you are thoughtful enough to think about these things in your head, which by the way, just want to be clear. I am not at all shaming you for thinking these things. Mm -hmm. Great question. I totally get where you are, but, um, but I think you can trust more in your taste in friends to know that uh, they're going to definitely handle it in a, in a good way.
1: Yeah, I, I, t- dear listener, I think you you can give yourself permission to stop worrying about this. Yeah. This is uh, because you because we don't know everything. Maybe friend two is also HIV positive. Maybe friend two has. As a devastating illness, uh, a cancer that they haven't told you about. Maybe this is no big deal to either of them. Maybe one of them leaves their socks on the floor, and the other is scrupulously neat, and that's <laughs> going to be the deal breaker. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like, yeah. um, if if you think that these, and I think, and I can, I think that I can probably say that your friend who has confided in you that he is HIV positive, um may, I would say, may appreciate that that is not the only way you think of him. This Mm -hmm. shows that he is now not your HIV-positive friend, that he is your friend and this is a detail about him that is also true, that is not make or break whether or not you recommend that he meet people that you think he's going to care about. Mm. I think you get to completely stop worrying about this.
0: Yeah, and I think I feel for the concern here because I think there is so much misinformation and stigma around HIV positive. And, and I think not a lot of people know For sure like the, the ways in which it can be managed and that it's not the death sentence that it once was and the widespread conversation about it. And, um, that is now here thankfully and needs to be more of. Yeah, totally. I say just, uh,
2: I don't know. Treat yourself to ice cream. You did a really cool thing. You set friends up. I totally up. agree. Ice
1: cream. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they'll really like each other. Wouldn't that be yeah, awesome? Yeah. That would,
2: what if there's like truly? I I think I think there's nothing to worry about here. I recommend mm-hmm. that this listener. Um, what should our listener do to just like treat themselves? What do you think?
0: Ice cream is a good idea. Ice cream. Yeah. Yeah. Take yourself on in an, an ice cream York, date. If you are in New York, go to
2: Ample Hills.
0: That's our, yep. yes, that is that our, that shit's unreal. Yeah. That is our prescription actually. This is our easy <laughs> okay, answer great. of the day is ice cream from,
1: from Ample Hills. If you're in New York
2: or salt and straw, if you're in LA or if you're in anywhere else, I don't know. Great. Um, I'll, and if you are, uh, if you are lactose intolerant,
0: Mm. Stop listening. got
2: <laughs> to be well, you're like me. Um, Something
0: delicious. Uh it's
2: got to be DF Mavens or Oh um, yeah. yeah, go to DF Maven's or I don't know what their new name is, but formerly Lula Sweet Apothecaries closed and then reopened, and they have a soft serve cake batter ice cream mm. that oh. is better than ninety nine percent of all of the best dairy ice cream I've ever had.
0: Wow. That's yeah. important.
2: And also Blue Marble. Hall. Blue Marble is really incredible. That's very I don't dairy. even know what that is. What is that? Oh, my God. Blue Marble is... <laughs> we're really taking this, this question in yeah. a new direction. <laughs> we're, um, listener, we are reinterpreting your question to be where should you treat yourself for the amazing <laughs> thing uh, yeah. that you just did. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Blue Marble, uh, they are in Park Slope and they're also in Prospect Heights in Brooklyn. And uh, I also think you can find a place to get a pint, Um, but they, uh, it is like, I'm sure they use like heavy cream in their ice cream. It is decadent and (laughs) perfect. (laughs) And I, for the moment that I eat their ice cream as a lactose intolerant person, I feel alive and wonderful and i accept the consequences that come <laughs> from it when
1: life entails risk life entails <laughs> risk and
2: sometimes you head straight you ha- you go in head first for the knowing what that risk is
1: <laughs> this is how i feel about avocado like this might close my throat but you know what avocado is delicious Avocado's i'm gonna is eat really it really good uh-huh. it's really good it yeah indeed Oh, wow. Anyway, you did a great thing. Well done. Dylan,
0: yeah. thank you so oh, much for joining us today. Thank you guys so much today. for having me. It's been a and total those pleasure. those who want to learn more about you and yes. your work,
2: DylanMarin.com. DylanMarin.com. Mm. <laughs> you can feel the very Twitters. silly with the follow okay. pitch, but you can you can definitely Google my name and find ways to follow me. That's the easiest yeah. way to say it, right? Sure. Yeah, Google my name, Dylan Marin, yeah. and uh, then see what you want. And uh, Or you can, you know, Choose to not look me up. I recommend that, too.
0: <laughs> but wait, there's more. We will be back with quickies in just a moment.
1: Oh, hi. It's me, Dave, from Sex or Smart People, that podcast you're listening to just now. Uh, this podcast, which you're listening to right now, is a labor of love for me and for Stephanie, and it is something we deeply believe in. Um, but it's also something that uh, we are paying for out of pocket uh, to the tune of about 150 bucks per episode to host our website and pay our audio engineer um, in order to sustain this, uh, if you like what you're hearing and you have a buck or two or five or 37 to kick in per episode, I cannot tell you how appreciative we'd be. Um, our core content, this po- podcast is now and it always is going to be free, but um, Patreon, which is uh, we partnered with, allows our community and our listeners to make small ongoing contributions to help fund the show on a voluntary per episode basis. So if you dig what we're doing and you do have that buck or two per episode, Um, If you'd consider contributing per episode, we would super appreciate it, and if enough people in our community did this, it would just make a huge impact uh, on the possibility of this podcast continuing to go. Um, We do, uh, as always, offer you an invisible, non-existent tote bag for any contribution that you make. Um, We absolutely love doing the show, and uh, it's changed our lives for the better, for sure, and it keeps us honest with each other and with everyone in these conversations that we care so deeply about. And um, we hope that it's been good for you too. And if it has been, and you have a little bit of cash to spare, and we know times are tough, but if you have it, my goodness, we'd appreciate it. You can find that link to our Patreon page at our website with that ever easy to remember website uh, URL of sexforsmartpeople.com. Thank you so much. We really, really appreciate it.
0: And now for Quickies! Pew, 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 pew. Yes.
2: <laughs> Fireworks this time. Uh-huh. I always I do lasers. T- my brand is lasers. Oh, so. good. It's, oh, I, we I, like as, you. Yeah. Thank
1: you. Lasers in the brain. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I have I have one extremely quick one that I thought about when I heard about DylanMarin.com, which is that I bought a URL for me to make my personal website that I'm very excited about. Congratulations. It is, it is pants.computer. I'm not kidding. I now own (laughs) the website pants.computer, and I I could not be happy. I don't know. I just have it parked right now, and I'm very excited (laughs) about it. Wow. I'm proud of you. So my quickie, the real one, other than my pitch for a website I haven't yet made, um, is an article that was in the New York Times last week that I clicked on expecting to hate read, and I actually ended up thinking like, oh, wow, this is actually pretty good. So that's exciting. And the article was called 13 Questions to Ask Before Getting Married. And I was like, uh, New York Times, you know, mainstream, this is going to be crummy. But hey, it's actually pretty good. And here are the questions that they ask. And I think that pretty much every one of them is, is really well said. So it's, did your family throw plates, calmly discuss issues, or silently shut down when disagreements arose? Will we have children, and if we do, will you change diapers? Will our experiences with our exes help us or hinder us? How important is religion? How will we celebrate religious holidays, if at all? Is my debt your debt? Would you be willing to bail me out? What's the most you'd be willing to spend on a car, a couch, or shoes? Can you deal with my doing things without you? Do we like each other's parents? How important is sex to you? How far should we take flirting with other people? Is watching pornography okay? Do you know all the ways I say I love you? What do you admire about me, and what are your pet peeves? And how do you see us ten years from now?
0: I'm into I it. think
2: that's pretty good. Yeah, I I think those are great conversations to yeah. have that take many couples uh, a long time, if not never. If,
0: uh-huh. if yeah, not, yeah. Uh huh.
2: And I think the fact that that's
1: reaching something as mainstream as the New York Times, this idea that relationships, um require this sort of communication is, is a really huge and happy deal. And yeah, so I did not awesome. hate read it. Oh, yeah. I love Reddit.
0: Dylan, as a married, person, as a married you, person, would you add, are there any burning questions that you would add to that list? I'm sure, I'm sure there are
2: many, but I feel like that covers, I mean, that covers some of the really difficult things to talk about that once you talk about them feel amazing, like, like we said before, naming, right? Like once you yeah. name these things, um, but specifically the the big things about money, like one of the hardest things I think for many couples is to talk about money. Um, we're not really trained. Money is such a private thing in our culture um, so that when we're, we enter into a relationship, um, you have to find a way to talk about it. Also, it's, uh, you know fascinated and such a fan of that pornography question of like, yeah, yeah I think it's important to totally name that and, and also be like, yeah, like sometimes I pass people on the street and I think they're attractive. Is that cheating? Mm-hmm. You know, and like, mm-hmm. and, and figuring out how you feel about that as a couple, which is not to say you have to come to a consensus as a couple, but you know, you talking about it, naming it, understanding what the other person thinks. So yeah. Cheers yeah. To
0: that Yeah. Dylan, you got a quickie?
2: Oh, my God, my quickie. Um, Okay. Uh, Man, I now want to do two. Do them. Okay, quickly. Uh, (laughs) I just started and just as quickly finished the entire two seasons of The Affair, the show on Showtime. Have you seen it? I have
0: not.
1: I've seen just the first two episodes. I
2: want to give out my Hulu account and password on this show so that everyone can watch this show. Um, it is so well written. It is so smart. The acting is incredible, um, and it's about. Oh, I'm sorry to drag your it's okay. headphones. Um, it is about this couple that. Um, uh, spoiler alert! In the title, uh, they are both married, and they end up having an affair with each other. And each episode is told from both of their perspectives. And it, the attention to detail is so incredible, uh, where, when, um, and it's a heterosexual couple. And so when, um, he, Noah is remembering the story, Allison, the woman he has an affair with, she, she is depicted in such a different way. She's wearing more, uh, she's wearing clothing directed at the straight male gaze. Mm. And then in her memories, she's not wearing that at all. And it's like, there are such different things that are illuminated and how we, it just is such a great, um, show about perspective and how we remember things and Mm. how we remember things differently. And both are true. Mm. um, other thing was I was just talking to a friend about this last night, and it didn't come up in any way about talking about race on film. It just We were talking about musicals we love. But I want to give a shout-out to Dreamgirls, which um, became very popular as a movie in 2006, but um, Dreamgirls was a hugely successful stage play that still tours around. There might be a touring production happening right now. Uh, That is an amazing, amazing story uh, that is, I think, save for two tiny parts. It is an entirely black cast Mm. and the story has nothing to do with race. It is about uh, talent and it is about commodifying talent and it is about relationships and it is about rising to power and seeing people you work with rise to power and what rising to power really means. And though the film explored some themes of the civil rights movement that were taking place in the backdrop, the original musical is just like just telling the story of people, which I love. And I, and I'm now after last night, I was able to articulate why I love it so much.
0: Oh, lovely. I have a similar one. I want to give a huge, huge shout-from-the-rooftops shout-out to the web series called Her Story, um, which is the entire season is an hour long, and it is by um, queer and trans women about queer and trans women, ostensibly for queer and trans women and everyone else. And it is just so refreshing as we talk about how do we make... um, uh, how do we make art that is radically inclusive and diverse? And like you know, transparent is one way to go. And I'm glad transparent exists. I I get those who critique it having a hard line that you should never ever 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 cast a cis person in a trans role, but also I get I I, I can understand the justifications for Jeffrey Tambor as well. And and um and and I I love transparent that it gives um. It it casts so many wonderful trans people, and many of the people involved in crew and and directing um, are not cis. And um, but I think ultimately, Transparent is made for like the straight cis gaze. I mean, G A Z E. Like we talk a lot about the male gaze, and so what is a straight cis gaze? And um, I, my friend Michael R. Jackson makes theater that he intends to be a repellent for the white gaze. G A Z E. Mm -hmm. Um, He makes theater that's all queer dudes of color that's that's just what wow. he does and I'm I'm into it but um her story is not necessarily a repellent of the white of the of the the straight cis gaze but it is definitely not made for that gaze and yet it's just so beautifully done and the story is just so rich and and well told that I think it um it is it's 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 for everyone while being um just so beautifully radically Uh, inclusive in a way that's just a a beautiful contrast and alternative to something like transparent.
2: Yeah. Awesome. I can't wait to watch it. Yeah. Mm.
0: Highly recommend it. Okay friends, that's it for this episode. Thanks again to the wonderful Dylan for joining us. And thank you, thank you, thank you to all of you for tuning in and for being a part of this conversation with us. And we love hearing from you at any time. Uh, We'd love to hear your thoughts, your objections, your ideas. Uh, your questions that you'd like us to address on future episodes, you can find the ways to reach us on our website sexforsmartpeople.com and there you'll find how to connect with us in other ways too, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, all of the ways and if you dig what we do, please do consider going to patreon.com slash sexforsmartpeople and throwing us a buck or two per episode and so much gratitude to those of you who are already a part of our support team that way. And on our next episode, we are delighted to welcome, as our guest, Angelica Ross, who you might have seen very recently on The Daily Show. She's the founder of Trans Tech and also uh, has a starring role in Her Story, that uh, web series that I plugged in my quickie. So we're so excited to be in conversation with Angelica, and we hope to catch you next time on Sex for Smart People. Bye for now. Love is Setting intentions is the sexiest. Oh.
2: Being able to laugh during sex oh. is the sexiest. <laughs> awareness is the sexiest <laughs> oh, i love
1: those i
0: love you guys thank yeah, you Dylan. guys this was so fun thank you for having me
1: this is a <laughs> thank wonderful you, show Dylan. i love
2: what you're
0: doing <laughs> thank you thank, thank you, you.